History is an informative and fun deep dive into the workers behind the professions. I'm your host, Cassie Townsend, a jackette of all trades. We'll cover the ins and outs of jobs, careers, and the daily grind that led professionals to where they are and where they're going. On today's show, we're going to talk to an associate principal by the name of Alicia Mendez. Hi, Alicia, and welcome to Work History. Hi, Cassie. Thanks for having me. Yay! Yay! Uh, so, Alicia, tell me, what is an associate producer? Or, I'm sorry, associate principal. Um, so, as in leadership in schools, in an actual building, you have a principal, and mm-hmm. they generally do all the administrative, like the, the budget... Um, going to the meetings that are about big, big subject ideas, whereas an associate principal does more of the day to day grind. I handle a lot of the discipline. I also do a lot of data analysis to see what areas kids need more support in. And that can be academically or behaviorally or social emotionally. Um, Right now at my job, um, I'm specifically over seventh grade. So if there's any issues with seventh grade, I am the person that they contact to handle it. So if a kid is vaping in the bathroom and they happen to be a seventh grader, I um, do the consequences. We are... Um, How many associate <clears throat> producers? principal. I'm going to keep saying producer. That, you can that's say associate my, producer. That's, that's, that's your life. That's your, your <laughs> wheelhouse. Yeah, um, yeah. There are two oh. in my building. All Generally, right. you have... Uh, the the larger your school is, the larger your administrative team is. There's always one principal. Okay. Um, and then you can have one to two to three associate principals. Usually three associate principals or vice principals, depending on which district you're in. Um, those are usually at high schools um, because okay. they're bigger. They're like upwards 2,000. And so they yeah. have three um, APs, associate principals, who run everything. And then new lately... We've been having adding dean of students to the middle school level. And a dean of students really does um, more of the data analysis and the low-hanging, um, like if a kid gets a lunch detention, they make sure the kid serves the lunch detention, which is can be a time suck for um, higher administration, so an associate principal or a principal, because it takes a lot of time to do, but there's not a lot of bang for the buck. So if you look at like the sphere of influence, what we do, um, the principal is usually the rubber stamp of a lot of stuff and the APs really carry a lot of it out. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I have no clue. <laughs> well, most people don't. So yeah. I, you watch television shows and it's always just the the principal. There's a principal. They rare if they have an associate principal, they the APs are always like I mean the the Showtime or was HBO show vice principals where they're vice principals who want to be the principal and it's and they just do horrible, horrible things. And you're like, that's not actually how that works. Right. So so is the associate principal a vice principal? Yes. It's just the vernacular is different in different districts for some reason. When I, um, at my first school, which was down um, on the south side of Washington. Um, oh, yeah. In, we're in Washington, you yeah. guys. This oh, is yeah. A, we're in Washington. <laughs> we're a travel podcast and I travel all over the country all year long for work. And I'm at my downtime and it's holidays times. So I'm back in my home state of uh, that my current home is in Washington state. And I'm talking to people that I know from that life. So uh, so that catches you up of why we're in Washington. I should probably put a little thing in at the beginning of where that says, we are. like, where we are. Yeah. That's a note for me for the future. <laughs> <laughs> we are in Washington. Yeah. Um, and Maybe I'll add that to the intro. When I first started anyway. teaching, yeah. admin were called vice principals. Yeah, that's what I know. And then it. when I came up As. to the north side, uh, they every everything – from the Seattle school district up north to almost Bellingham, they say associate principals. 
I don't know why the vernacular has changed, but I mean, it's similar to when I started teaching. They said it was history class, then it changed to social studies, and now it's back to history. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then there was a brief year where it was called humanities. Yeah. I don't know why they change it. Uh, It's just the way it is. Well, when I was in high school in North Carolina, I I was in, we had social studies. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we never had a history class. We had yeah. social studies. It, and it's a history class, but they just call it social studies. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, because we studied social stuff from history and from mm-hmm. current, I think, is what they called it as. But I don't know because I wasn't very good at it. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't uh, choose to do those very often. Yeah. I don't know why um, they've changed the terms. I have no idea. And then when I was in college at Mars Hill College, I, mm-hmm. I took a humanities course, but that was all Humanities religion. is completely different. Yeah. It humanities, was religion. Um, but I don't know why they call it humanities in middle school or in high school or whatnot, like in secondary education, because yeah. it doesn't make sense to call it humanities because it's not really humanities. It's a history class. Yeah, because humanities is usually religion. Right? It, there's religion. And then there's also like um, human geography about how they've been impl- um, how people's movement throughout the world has implemented has impacted things that also goes into social movements and um hmm. then there's some anthropology in there in humanities but um that's not what you get in secondary school yeah. you get it's a history class that occasionally is connected to depending on the teacher connected to um the stuff that's happening now because history is all dialectically connected right right wow yeah i'm learning so much and it's not <laughs> even been five minutes um <laughs> cool Wow, my brain got some more wrinkles. So, and I don't even know if that's accurate anymore. It could have changed. So, so you're not a vice. You are a vice principal yes. in the yeah. in the people who understand that world of vice principal. Yes, uh, but it's called associate principal. Yeah, and uh, and you focus on seventh graders. Yeah, uh, I've seventh grade. I mean, I can. What what age school? I'm sorry, uh, middle school. You. So it's, oh, so um, it's six, seven, eight. Okay. Um, All right. There used to be quite a mix of middle schools and junior highs, but in the last, Mm -hmm. I want to say decade, they realized that that um, six, seven, eight is such a crucial time for kids to be just with themselves. Mm -hmm. And also, there was when you have a sixth grader who's 11, 12, Mm -hmm. and a ninth grader, because junior high used to be six through nine. Mm -hmm. And then you have a ninth grader who can almost be 15 16 years old that's a huge age gap and mentally and emotionally a weird developmental time as well so they found that the middle school model is actually more um, successful for for child's social emotional development so there's more middle schools than there are junior highs there are some junior highs like in the south and whatnot but um in the more liberal and progressive states you see middle schools wow okay wow yeah, Learning education so and brain development is a really young science because mm-hmm. um, the first public school wasn't, I mean, Horace Mann did the first public school um, back in the 1800s, but only to create people, children who are ready to work in a factory. Oh. Yeah. So it was like, hey, they got to learn math. They have yeah. to learn to read. Yeah. And they have to learn how to sit and <laughs> do as they're told. Yeah. Um, and that's what public school was for. We're going to teach you these huh. things so that way you can go into a factory and start working because they didn't have child labor laws, right? Right, um, right. So then you can start working. Uh, wow. And then it's, I'm really truncating this history, of course. I know but you're doing a great job. If you want to read a really um, interesting book about the history of education and childhood, um, Huck's Raft. 
um, by Stephen Mintz is really good. M I N T Z. Um, but as schools have grown and people have learned how brains work and what's best for children, you add things. So now uh, I, they added schools that would do, um, I mean, when school started, you were just, you, teachers were just there to teach you to read and write and yeah. then do math. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Now we have, we're required to do social emotional learning, which is like, let's talk and you do it by school. So if you have, we at my school have um, the majority of our students are black and brown, um, but the majority of our teachers are white. So we have a lot of kids who are using the N-word very liberally yeah. and giving the N-word pass to white children. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. it's creating an issue um, socially. So mm-hmm. we do lessons on that. So we do social emotional lessons. We also uh, do hearing and sight screenings. There's, wow. um, we do vaccination clinics. Uh, we do sex education Um that's about the time. That's about yeah, the age. Yeah, so it used to be we're only responsible for reading and writing and arithmetic. Yeah. Now we help co-parent. Like, that's yeah. what schools do. We co-parent. And a, lar- a large portion of my job in the last six years has been really not, and especially with COVID, kids coming back from COVID, has not just been making sure kids are following the rules at school and uh, making sure that if they're falling behind and looking this data and creating better systems that serve, it's also a lot of meeting with parents and helping co-parent. Like, yeah. I like to jokingly say I raise 1,100 children a year. <laughs> I don't have any of my own, but it's because I raise 1,100 children a year. So, yeah. And I keep in touch with a large amount of them. Every kid who I taught, who I mean, I've, I haven't been in a classroom seven years now haven't been teaching i've been an administrator but when i started teaching was about 18 years ago we're gonna get into that yeah um i i i still remember every single kid's name wow and i still have about six or seven who keep in touch and tell me where they are that's great i have a high school teacher alicia bryant laws and so every time when i met you I was like, don't think about Miss B.O. Don't think about Miss <laughs> B.O. She's completely different from Miss B.O. But you were the second Alicia that I'd oh. never known. So well. I didn't know you were not my first. <laughs> oh, that's shocking. And I know, upsetting. right? It's so upsetting. Um, <laughs> wow. This is fantastic. So as an associate principal, what are some... Oh, I get it. Better question. Yeah. When you wake up in the morning... Because you can't do this job remotely. No. No. So you wake up, you get out of bed, you do your morning routine. Yeah. You grab your coffee or whatever, snack yep. pack. You get in your car, you go to work. What's, what do you do to start your job? Um, and what does your typical day look like? I'm there about an hour before children are. Ugh, um, gross. <laughs> uh, I'm an early person. I like getting up early. So I'm there for about an hour. And in that hour, it varies. Um, sometimes that's when I catch up on emails because that's usually the only time I can catch up on emails unless mm-hmm. there's something like there's been a couple cases like um, legal cases that I've had to be aware of. So I would check my email extensively through the day, uh, throughout yeah. the day because um, it's that's urgent and that's important. Um or it, I, it's urgent and I have to take care of it right away. It's not right. something I can sit on. Right. Um, everything I do is important. <laughs> um, yes, yes. That sounded horrible. But yes, no, everything I do is important. Very true. Um, so usually I get to do, I, I get some time to do emails. Um, and that's at the beginning of the school year. Now that we're kind of in the middle of it, I have to, I go to meetings. So we have things that are called guidance team meetings, um, IEP meetings, um, 
BLT meeting, a lot of acronyms. So um, there. Are, I want to go to the BLT meetings because that sounds delicious. It stands for building leadership That's team. That's less delicious. That is not delicious. <laughs> um, and then I have ILT, which is instructional leadership team. And then we have our equity team. And then um, we have, so I have a lot of team meetings that I have to go to. Okay. Um, and then we have staff meetings. So um, now that we're in the, the, the year is going, we're almost halfway through. Yeah. A lot of my mornings, the first thing I do is get into a meeting. And sometimes they're in person and sometimes they're over Zoom. Okay. So a GLT meeting, a guidance team meeting is all of the teachers on the grade level, sometimes cross grade levels because um, there are some teachers who teach both, 7th mm-hmm. and 8th grade or 6th and 7th. Uh, they are noticing that a child is struggling mm-hmm. and they're not quite sure what what they're doing that's not helping. So mm-hmm. they bring it to the team. They go, what have you seen? What's What do you need? And they loop in the counselor. Then the counselor hears that, yes, everybody's having the same issue. Great. We'll go to guidance team or sit team. Okay. And that includes me, all of the teachers, and usually the parent or the child. And we talk about here, what are, and it's really a, um, <coughs> it used to be, you would just tell the kid, here's what we're doing for you. Um, when I first came to this this school, I'm, I'm a restorative justice person, where it is, it's not about punishment. It's about looking at the behaviors and the reasoning behind the behaviors and what you can do to support, um, mm-hmm. to teach better behaviors. Not, you did a bad thing, so you're a bad kid. It's, no, you did a bad thing. doesn't make you bad. Let's just talk about how we got to where we are, what are choices that we can do instead. Yeah. So now our SIT team is more, when kids go to guidance, it's really, what do you need? Here's what we're doing. What's working for you? What's not working for you? We get input from the parents. We get input for, for the students. Then we try it, see if it works. And if it doesn't, you re-meet. And then sometimes kids need to um, be recommended for special education. And that's when they do an IEP, which stands for Individual Education Plan. And these wow. are, if you're impacted, <laughs> like I'm on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I never got special education services because yeah. that wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, so... They would look at your particular diagnosis. Our school psychologist would test them and they'd see where they're impacted. And you have to be significantly impacted before you get an individualized educational plan because it would take you out of a general education classroom. And the whole goal of education now they know um, because about 15 years ago, oh, you need special services. Great. You're going to be in this room all by yourself with all the other kids who have the same issues. Right. And now they go with what's least restrictive environment, meaning what's best for the kid. And so we try to keep them in as many general education classes as possible. But sometimes they need directed instruction into a smaller classroom. And those are their special education classes. Wow. Um, And before you get the IEP, you have to get evaluated. And then once you're evaluated, they see exactly how you need to be served. And then you make a plan that way. Cool. So that's a large portion of my day. Um, And then if a kid, let's say they're impacted, but they're not so impacted that they need individual plans, or let's say they broke their hand and they're right-handed, and so they need some accommodations for a short amount of time, then that goes into what's called a 504. So Mm -hmm. a lot of kids who progress so much through special education that they don't qualify for SPED anymore, they still keep their accommodations in what's called a 504. So really the difference of that is funding Mm -hmm. and who's who's the who's case funding. manager okay. like where do we get the money and then who makes sure that we're adhering that schools are adhering to all the accommodations so sped gets more money essentially because it's there's there's more involved in it there's a lot of data tracking there's right. meeting with and parents and you have to write reports whereas the 504 is like accommodations working great right easy peasy right. and then you meet with the parents once a year to make sure 
they need anything. Everything's always open. Um, BLT is building leadership team where we make decisions about the systems that are going on mm. in leadership. I like to say in leadership, there's three kinds of decisions, your decision, my decision, and our decision. Your decision is you have your autonomy to make this decision all by yourself. Yeah. So you're in your classroom, you do that. You're running this team that I've given you, then you make those decisions. Great. Our decisions is the ones that we have to bring to the whole building and make that decision based on it. That's what building leadership team does. They go, yeah. okay, systemically, we have to do the standards-based assessment coming up in May. When are we going to do that? What's the schedule going to look like? I right. am over testing. So I go, here's what I propose. And they either rubber stamp it or shoot it down. And then we create a new program gotcha. um, or a new schedule to better support our students and what the building needs. Um, my decisions are the decisions that I as a leader, make that decision by myself. There are a couple times as an associate principal that you just make the decision and then go to your boss, go, hey, I made this decision. I hope you're not mad at me. <laughs> yeah. um, they, I mean, rarely are. Most um, most building teams work really well together. And my my building team, uh, they we trust each other kind of implicitly so we can make decisions like, hey, I, I had to pull the trigger, so this is how I did it. Right. Um, and then we always go back and say, here's why we made this decision, because right. we use this data, we got this. And then there's instructional support team, which is, these are all teacher leaders mm -hmm. who are looking at just teaching instruction. What are the things that we need to do to help our teachers improve? Um, because stuff is changing rapidly. COVID stuff has changed rapidly. So what what are kind of our goals? Mm -hmm. um, and like, for instance, our team is looking particularly at rubrics and how to do common rubrics that show kids what they need to learn and how they're going to show their learning more effectively and that they can be used across the board because high schools are using them more. So it's kind of a, mm. um, a scaffold, a step. What is rubrics? A rubric is, um, it's a sheet of paper <laughs> that... Okay. You'll have all the skills. So let's say I'm giving you a test. I'm giving yeah. Cassie Townsend a test. Yeah. And I'm going to test you on your recall of everything that I just told you. And oh, gosh. That, <laughs> that would be, I would feel one of the standards would be history because I talked a little bit about history. Uh -huh. The other standard would be like Hugo Morris. Mm. Horace Mann. Uh, oh, you got so the close. initials right. <laughs> um, then the other one would be like uh, – like what my job description was, right? And mm -hmm. I give you this test, yeah. and to get a one, which is not great, it's between one and four. One is um, needs improvement. That would um, be me. Yeah. Uh, it would say, okay, so in order to get a one, you would need to just try to attempt to answer these questions. A right. two would mean you kind of got that question, but I had to give you some leading. And three is you got it, no problem. And four is you got that so good, you're going to teach this now. That's oh, how well. So okay. it's very, it's like where you are on the spectrum of learning. Okay. And it kind of takes the competition out of kids. So if you get an A, great. What does that A mean? Right. Okay, you got an yeah. A, but what is that skill and how are you showing that you've learned it? And it's really this piece of metacogni metacognition of like, how do children know what they know? And when they don't know, how do they know what they don't know? And how do they use, how do they figure out what they don't know? So yeah. where can they find that information? So it's a lot of analyzation and higher order thinking. So that's, oh. rubrics are really important because you can cool. give it to them, teach them how to read it, and they go, okay, to be, get an A, which is a four, 
I need to be able to do A, B, C, and D. Great, I can do that. And it just kind of opens up that. um, Which, if you notice, you do this, it's a skill for life. So if you're applying for a job, it says, here are the the things that you need. Yeah. And here's the things we'd like you to have. Right. So think of that as the rubric when you apply for a job. And then when you do an interview, you hit those buzzwords. You're like, oh, well, this is why I'm good at this, because I have this. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a skill that kids need. Wow. Yeah. Phenomenal. And so that's one of my meetings. And then I have my equity team meeting where um, it's also teacher leaders where we look at the equitable practice, equitable practices within our building. Uh-huh. So it's um, like example, we have eight, I want to say 87% of our staff are white. Uh-huh. 46 of our student, 46% of our students are white. So uh-huh. um, equity is hard. Um, simple things like, um, we do have some, um, we've started doing only in this last year, a, um, um, more with our native cultures that mm-hmm. are here, uh, because Washington has started the, um, in time and memorial, uh, Washington state history, where we talk about the land that was stolen from Washington natives. Yeah. Um, and then we also do a land acknowledgement of this is not our land. We are so sorry we stole this land. We're trying to be good stewards for it um, to the all the tribes that are around Washington. Wow, and, and there's a lot around here. Yeah, and so one of the big things that we had is Thanksgiving. We're not going to talk about how great Thanksgiving is because for no. a lot of our Native students, it's not a time of celebration. It's like, great, I get days off of school. Right. But I don't, you know, um, so we'll we'll talk about how we can better bring um, elevate our voices of our black and brown students. Yeah. Um, how do we teach teachers to have that conversation with kids of like, hey, you just said the N word. Let's talk about why we can't say that, even though you are a black and brown student. And I'm, I don't want to define your relationship with that word. But you do need to know that it's not OK in a school setting. Right. Because you don't know whose ears are hearing it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same reason why your parents wouldn't go and use that word at work. Right. This is your job, right. like time and place. So mm-hmm. being able to teach teachers how to have that conversation and asking our teacher leaders, what do they need? Like, what do teachers need to feel that that's happening? Right. And then equity is beyond just black and brown kids. We also have a lot of differently abled students. Um, mm-hmm. And lately, there's been a lot of ableism within my school. So we're trying to highlight not disabilities, but highlight the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- we do weekly lessons that are um, connected monthly for um, the, like every month has uh, like Latin American History Month or mm-hmm. Muslim Heritage Month. So we do those kind of, so kids are have it more on their radar and we do very specific lessons that are highlighting and celebrating the differences that we have in our um, building. I write those lessons with one of my counselors and then we present them to the equity team and say, what do you guys think? And then we do an equity clip where equity people in the building highlight different parts of equity that we either need to work on or that we need to take responsibility for or mm-hmm. recognize without within the state of Washington and the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those meetings are monthly. And then every two or three months, I have um, a safety meeting every quarter. Um, I have a safety meeting with our safety team because I'm over safety as well. And then my other AP has different things that they're over and they have other meetings like PBIS meetings. So we're pretty much busy. So when we have a morning where we don't have a meeting, I do an email. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very okay. long-winded question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, long-winded I answer, answer to your yeah. question, but we have so many acronyms. I didn't know. Right. No, that's great. Yeah. Well, the average listener is not going to know that either. Yeah. So, because I don't know that. And I'm, 
I feel like I am connected to my listeners. So, hi, listener. Thank you for listening. Hi. <laughs> uh, what else is in your typical day? Um, um, so, when, lots of meetings. Lots of meetings. When students arrive on the building, um, I'm out greeting them. The whole admin team goes out to greet them. Oh, cool. Um, usually with the counselors, too. Um, if kids have been absent, we keep track of which kids have been missing a lot. And then it's like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here. Right. Um, just because a lot them. of kids don't feel connected. COVID has really isolated a lot of students. Mm-hmm. Um then uh, if I don't have another meeting, I have meetings sporadically throughout the day because I have some district meetings of um, uh, committees that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, when I don't have a district meeting, I like to be out uh, in the building to see what kids are doing and what uh, staff are doing or not doing. Uh, one of my favorite days is the last day before Christmas break because everybody's watching a movie. Mm-hmm. So I like to wander around like, what movie are we watching today? Yeah. <laughs> What's happening here? Fantastic Mrs. Fox. Love that movie. Let's sit <laughs> right. down. Um, right. uh, and then just meet, touching base with teachers, too, because they are people. And um, it's been hard since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, they're asked more and more for and just there was a beautiful three months when COVID first happened and closed and schools shut down and we were all remote where parents were like, Oh my God, you guys are amazing. We need to pay you more. Right. Right. And then COVID went on. Yeah. And then it turned into, can I swear? (laughs) Yeah. You can Uh, swear. Assholes aren't doing your job. Get, get back in the building and fucking do your job. Open your bit. I was the COVID. I am still the COVID supervisor and I got a lot of tersely, and painfully worded emails saying, oh, you I'm need sure. to open your yeah. school. What is wrong with you? You don't care about kids. Uh, wow. And then when we came back to school, it was, uh, we saw a lot of um, behaviors happening because parenting, I think, is one of the hardest jobs in the entire world, but it's also not a 24-hour job. Like, you Correct. need a break. Yeah. Um, and yeah. nobody had a break. So you got to your wit's end and you said, well, fine, I'm just going to give in and let them have this thing because we are in crisis mode yeah and that carries over so there's a lot of arguing with children when you're like hey you got to put your phone away why i never had you before well you're back at school and you got to learn a new a new rule right Um, and so teachers were really fragile we had a lot of teachers going out on um mental health leave um and then we had a lot of parent um teachers whose parents died during covid so they're just recovering from a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and then of course there's other life things like new parents people had babies um yeah covid babies covid babies totally and so they thing. they have babies and then they're coming back to work and it's exhausting so ch- i check in with the teachers um uh and then as an administrator you have to evaluate staff and you have to do f- uh, formal observations so some days i have formal observations where i go in with my computer and i watch the teachers teach and i essentially write down everything that i see um and then i take all that information and i put it in a rubric about <laughs> um which is what teachers need to be successful. And we use a Danielson model, which is a very famous lady named Dr. Danielson wrote um, this book. Well, I think it started as a, as a study about how to improve teachers, Hmm. how to get them to improve because of what they found is you had that. Everybody knows that stereotype of that old teacher who's like, I'm not learning anything. You know, I've done this for 20 years. And you're like, yeah, but new brain science shows. So Charlotte Danielson uh, created this with her team, um, created this uh, rubric essentially of how to get teachers perpetually improving. So they have student okay. growth plans. What are their goals? Where where are they um, 
in the beginning of the year, where do they think they are? They do a self-assessment and then we meet with them. I meet with the people I evaluate, um, the teachers I evaluate and go, okay, what goals do you want to set this year? What are your student growth goals? We talk about that. And I say, well, that's not really based on data. How are you going to find that? It needs to be Mm -hmm. attached to a skill. Then I observe them teaching. I bare minimum, you have to observe teachers twice throughout the school year, but I'm in every class like every other week or so um, for what's called informal observation. So if I have an observation, I go and observe it. Usually I have to do a pre-observation where I meet with the teachers and go, what am I going to see in your lesson? Then I go see the lesson. (laughs) Then we have to have a post-observation where I go, here's what I saw. And if there's any issues or problems where I'm like, ooh, this was not great or um, so it's basic or proficient. If you're basic at all or below basic, that puts us into a, wow, we got to do it an action plan and put stuff together. Um, I firmly believe that it's my job to keep my teachers at proficient, but we do have distinguished, which is basically kids are taking responsibility for their own education and, and teaching the classroom, which is so hard to do. And maybe uh-huh. you'll have a lesson where that happens, but it's not something that you can expect all the time distinguishes right. a place that you visit it's not a land <laughs> that you live because it's really hard because you have wow. to have the data to support that too yeah. um and so i observe that have the post and then um if there's any growth areas i say here's what what i'd like to see here's some questions and then we talk about um what went well in lesson what didn't go well in the lesson and where they would like that lesson to go um i used to be an instructional coach so it's very coach I, I coach people a lot about where they want to be in their teaching. And then sometimes it's, then we always check in of like, how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You doing okay. Um, and then in the middle of the day, I have to take 90 minutes where I observe lunches um, because that's when all of the stuff happens. So during <laughs> yeah. lunches, you're always out and about, which is also nice because I get to check in with the kids and I get to see them play sports. And um, when we had the world cup, we watched the world cup. Oh, cool. Yeah, because they were always 11 o'clock games. I was like, you guys want to watch the World Cup? And the kids were like, yes, yes. plays. It only happens <laughs> every four years. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. Very yeah. Cool. Um, and then usually the tail end of my day is pretty mellow. Like the last two periods, fifth and sixth period, are pretty mellow um, where I'll go into a couple classrooms um, and or I'll have a meeting. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, then usually after school I have another meeting. Um, have an IEP or have a district meeting where we talk about leadership stuff in the district. Lots of meetings. And that's my day. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I, in between that, I find time to answer emails, um, write up. I have to write up those observations that I have. And if there's any discipline for students, I have to do the paperwork for that, too. My goodness. Yeah. That's that's a lot of writing. It's a lot of writing. It's a lot of calling home and talking with parents about things. <laughs> yeah. And saying, I'm sure. hey, your kid was vaping. So sorry. Oh, geez. They're going to spend a week with me. Yay. Oh, fun. Uh, all right. Let's go. Let's go back in time a little bit. Okay. To young Alicia. Oh, young Alicia. Yeah. Such a sweet summer child. <laughs> oh, you sweet little tiny <laughs> human. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a medical doctor when I was really little. I wanted to be a, a doctor. And I I honestly don't think I actually wanted to be a doctor. But my brother said he wanted to be a doctor. So then I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And like we just kind of. Whatever he wanted. To yeah. Do. And then we just, it was just the thing. And then I had said it for so long that I was like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing. Um, even though I did a lot of theater and I did, I was a. I did a lot of things that were outside of the realm of doctoring. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, but I did love my anatomy class that I took in high school. Okay. Um, 
So uh, I, I graduated high school thinking, I'm going to be a doctor. And I had two high school friends who were also on the med school track. So I started taking some of those classes and I was just really bored. Wow. Um, yeah, just really painfully bored. Didn't okay. like them. Uh, but then I took an American civilization class and I was like, oh, this class is dope. Um, and changed my major to history. Okay. Um, and then I know I took some time off and then I came back. And then uh, when I did, I got a job. My dad worked for the, for the state and he ran a juvenile justice facility. And nepotism got me a job, and uh, it goes I was world. there for about a year um, working graveyards, and then also as a receptionist at a car dealership. Um, and I just got was tired of working two jobs, so I quit the car dealership job and uh, worked full time for the state. And they made they I got promoted to tech two, which was basically I hung out with the juvenile delinquents as they called themselves. Um, <laughs> and it was a work camp. So these were the students who, it, I say students because they were students. These were the kids who did something like they stole a car or they'd been stealing drugs or they'd been doing drugs. So this was kind of their last step before they went to like really secure jail. care. Yeah. Yeah. So like child jail, right. um, which was a different facility. So we were kind of like last ditch. They go to work crew. They Juvie. go to class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And while I was working there, I helped several students get their GEDs, which is nice. not something that happens in um, juvenile justice, which is why a lot of kids go back to the same patterns, why yeah. the rate of recidivism is so high, because they um, don't break the patterns and then they don't have the skills to break the patterns either. So just giving kids that gift of education was um, the greatest feeling in the whole world. You said rate of recidivism. Uh, recidivism is the <laughs> when recidivism? someone gets out of jail and then goes back to jail. Okay. So returning that cycle of recidivism gotcha. going back. So the way to break recidivism is they, they get an education or you send them to a completely different area or they cut off all of their friends. And that's not realistic. No. Right? That's so that's, um, a, that's cult mentality. Yes. But getting them some education definitely helped. I'm not okay, saying good. all of the children who got their GETs with me went on to do amazing things, things right. but it helped them. Um, yeah. And then that's when I changed my uh, major to education. Um, yeah. And then I was done at the um, at the U, so I ended up moving up here, University of Utah. Um, oh, Utah. I yeah. forgot to ask where you're from. It's from Utah. Utah. So this was all in Utah. Um, okay. Work for the state of Utah, and JJS. Uh, and then I moved up here, took a year off because grad school is very expensive and I, yeah. I didn't want to have out-of-state tuition. So I took a year off. And in that year, um, I worked with a lot of kids doing children's camps and whatnot. And that was just so much fun because it's another form of teaching because I would make the kids uh -huh. read all of their things. Like, nope, right. we're going to read it. Right. We're going to read what's the math that goes with this music. So working right. with that. Um, and then I did my master's. All right, hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. You're getting way ahead of me now. <laughs> okay, okay. I just wanted to talk about dream job. Mm. So dream job was medical doc. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and and you did. You tried for that. And I that did. Just, it was so boring. No, I had a um, I'm I had a pediatrician who was great, and I asked him very candidly. I mean, I wasn't going to him anymore, um, but I asked him very candidly, like, what do you think about being a doctor? And yeah. he said, if you can look at your life. 
and imagine anything else and that you enjoy just a fraction of a hair more, don't go into medicine because you spend a quarter of your life just to be a doctor. Yeah. And you don't appre- you don't get to appreciate all those fringe benefits like the money and everything like that until you're a quarter way into your career because right. med school costs so much and it's yeah and it's point. and when you're a um, in your internship you don't make you make barely minimum wage. I mean this right. was back in the day he was telling yeah. me. So I was like, "Oh, well, I really like history." And then that's right. how I changed my major. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, what was your first job? was your first my very very first first job job. was uh working in a movie theater um i worked at the century 16 movie theater in utah in utah and i century 16 loved it century 16 yeah um it's funny because uh, i used to have two dogs and one dog got really really sick so when i was a poor teacher and didn't have enough money to pay for his very expensive medication, I got yeah. a job at a movie theater again uh, nice. <laughs> in my 30s, and kids would come and see me. It was awkward. But <laughs> I bet it was. I did yeah. really enjoy it. Like, yeah. I, like if I ever— Just easily step into that Oh, yeah. If I become a smell. millionaire, and they're like, hey, you never have to work a day in your life, I'm like, oh, I'll go work at a movie theater because I'm bored. Yeah. But then I have the ability to leave whenever I want. Like, mm, right, I don't right. need to work here anymore. The polyester yeah. shirt. My, the... Yeah. My first job was a Century 16 movie theater. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And I remember I was making three eighty six an hour. Oof. And I thought I was making so much money. Uh-huh. And I remember when I got my first, like, the car that was mine and gas went to a dollar six i remember going home and screaming at my dad like i'm never gonna afford to go anywhere this is too expensive <laughs> yep. yep yeah 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 accurate accurate and from that first job did you continue doing jobs in movie theaters or no actually uh i went to work at a call center called R.T. Nelson. I was that person who said, would you like to take a survey? The Nelson service. The Nelson service, because yeah. it was $9 an hour. Wow. So I went from making three eighty-five an hour to, to $9 nine, an hour, which was way above minimum wage. And, and I was like, oh my God, this is world, so much money. Like 18 oh yeah, I, I was like, and today's money. I worked from three until 10 o'clock at night and wow. I would just dial. Hi, my name is Alicia Menes. I'm uh, with, R.T. Nelson, do you have time to take a survey? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just dial and dial and dial and dial. Wow. Yeah. That's so stressful. It was very stressful. Yeah. Did it, you have to have, like, a? did you get a commission or, like, you had to hit I had numbers? a. You had to make a certain number of calls. Like, so okay. it was call per hour because you were doing a survey. Yeah. And then from there, I went to work at Stevens Henniger College calling people who had sent filled out a card that said, hey, call I really me. want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I liked working at a call center because I had downtime to study. Mm. When you're in a movie theater, you don't have downtime to study. You're no. always on your feet and you're moving yeah. or yeah. you're watching a movie right. or you're cleaning. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then I worked at Stevens Henniger College that I, I was only there for a couple months because I felt like a hypocrite. Because I'm calling people for Stevens Henniger College was a paid college, so it was one of those for-profit colleges. It was uh-huh. like for two years, you know, you do this and you get an um, an AA, which an AA is great, but most of the um, 
for-profit colleges were not accredited, so your AA oh. meant nothing. Oh, so snap. I was essentially was shielding people to get this degree that meant nothing. Yeah. Um, hey, you still did all this work, but it's not from the right institution. So, yeah, um, and gross. I would frequently get the kids who call, I'm calling and saying, "Hey, you want to go here? I can set you up to meet with an admissions counselor." And they'd ask me, "Well, do you go there?" And I couldn't lie, and I said, "Nope, I go to the University of Utah." Um, so. Yeah. After about three months, I was like, I just can't do yeah. this anymore. Yeah. yeah. So I, I left. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Good call. You've had a lot of jobs. I've had a lot of jobs. And um, and I'd like to talk about some more of those jobs. Oh, yeah. So what is the oddest job that you've ever done? The oddest job I've ever done. I Strangely enough, it's so out of, like, from what I was doing, I um, worked as an optometric technician, actually. And it that's not a real odd job, but how I got it was weird. I mean, it's an odd job. From, yeah. From so, being a, basically a vice yeah, principal. That's an odd. Yeah. So I, I, I was working on my master's um, okay. in teaching. All right. Um, and I hadn't started my student teaching yet. So... It's different now. It's very different now because we have a teacher shortage, so they've they've truncated the timeline. Okay. But it used to be you join a program as either two years or one year. I did a one year program, and the first semester of the year you just observe, and then you kind of ease into one or two lessons, and then you kind of get the whole reins for second semester, and then you teach all of second semester until like the month before school is out, huh. and then you go back. and I did. I had one more project to do. And I finished writing up my thesis, and then I was done. That's how I got my master's. It's different now. Um, Most teachers only have to student teach for like two or three weeks instead of like ten, but Mm -hmm. it's it's different. Um, So I went in because I needed new contacts, and I went into this random eye center where I was like, "That's one's close to my house," and then realized it wasn't close to my house. Uh, When I said it was more close to my school, which was fine. Went in and doing my eye, and this girl, I guess, was leaving. I was like, hey, do you need a job? And I went, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, how about you fill out this application, and you can be our receptionist? And I was like, oh, I do have receptionist background. Like, I worked at a temp agency. I've done a lot of phone stuff. I got this. Yeah. Well, I filled it out, and then they, she just gave me the job. I was like, okay, we'll see you Monday. So I didn't do any interviews. They just Whoa. gave me the job. And Whoa. I showed up in, like, receptionist gear, like, wearing – almost a suit without a jacket on. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to teach you how to take people through their eye exam. I go, okay. Oh, my gosh. So then they taught me how to, like, put it into coding. And then she taught me all the, like, the stuff where, you know, you test the pressure of the The eye. You do. Yeah. yeah. So learned all of that. And uh, then I would take you and I'd take people in the room. I'd set up the all the things, set up the computer. And then the doctor would go and spend 10 minutes with you and then go, oh, yes, this is your prescription. And then I would give them a prescription. Um, oh my gosh. It was the weirdest thing. Um, and you don't, if you get on the job training, it's not like you have to get a license. You can get a license. But that was like another school. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So I did yeah. that for like a year and a half. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just randomly. Just, okay. Wow. Yeah. So now when I go and get my eyes checked, they're like, we're going to do this. I'm like, yeah, I know what that is. Don't worry. I know what that is. Yeah. yeah. My eye pressure is pretty heavy. 
Yeah, I know which diopter I'm on. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Yeah. So it was it not? I mean, I guess it's weird because I'm an associate principal now, but saying I was an optometric technician. Yeah. 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 It is weird. It that's is an weird. Odd job. Yeah, but mainly more weird how I got it. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Here's a job. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what in that um, in that chat with her made her I have no idea because I just went you know making small talk if someone's making small talk with me it was like hey how are you and she's like oh yeah and I mentioned how I was in school and then she was like well are you looking for a job and I said yeah actually I am just something part-time she's like great I have this job that's amazing and she was basically just looking for her replacement and so I could have been anybody Wow. And she was like, here you go. Here you and go. Like, oh, all right. <laughs> and then strangely, enough, I did the exact same thing when I was like, hey, I'm now a teacher. Uh, right. I don't I need go. to work here anymore. Yeah, I'm going to go, go teach. Um, so they asked very politely, well, could you hire somebody? And I went, oh. me hire? Okie okay. dokies. Yeah. You know, That's and I'm so weird. Yeah. And I'm like barely 24 or something like that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure. I will hire someone. Yeah. And I hired her and she got great. She actually went on and got her um, her license and everything. So it's like, oh, wow. well, I found you a career. Enjoy. Good job. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Yeah. I didn't just hand it to the first person who came in, though. <laughs> I actually did interviews. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. good. Yeah. I did I've... interviews with people. Right. All right. That's uh, it's just wild. To yeah. Think about. Like, can you blow this air into someone's eye? Yeah. I'm done. But I mean, You're I hired. interview people. I, I just did some interviews this week because I had to fill paraeducator positions. And I remember... I had a flashback. It's funny that you asked that because I had the flashback of the first interview I did with somebody versus these interviews that I do. So different. Young me would be like, oh, I'm an idiot. Because right. <laughs> I think my first question was like, hey, how you doing? Right. <laughs> you from here? Oh, that's great. Do you have a long drive into here? Right. Go, okay. Well, all right. And it was right. not great. It was it's not a good interview. It was not yeah. professional at all. I no. think I asked her a couple questions like, can you think you can do this? Right. Do you talk to, do you feel How comfortable? How old are you? Do you feel comfortable talking to people? Yeah. Great. Um, Were you in prison? Yeah. Um, and if so, that's okay, too. What did you do? do? What did you do? Yeah. What did yeah. you do? Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any communicable diseases? Medical fraud? Not good. Right. But, you know, like... Drugs, maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah, it was it was not great. Wow. I still hired a good person though. So. Good. Good job. <laughs> Your instincts are my are instincts were good. Yeah, they're still good. <laughs> my interview game, not so much. So I know something that the listener does not know, uh, and we're we're clipping right along. But um, I know that you do theater. I do. You you mentioned um, in your youth. You were part of some theater stuff, yeah. uh, but then you glossed right over that and, <laughs> and went right into other things. Well, that's probably because you're not, you don't necessarily get paid for just, you know. I mean, I do still, I do, I mean, I did it professionally for a while. Um, I just got burnt out and it led to an eating disorder, which was not great for me. Yeah, same Um case. Yeah, so, I mean, when I said, like, I took some time off, it's because I did professional theater and I toured and stuff. So okay. um, in between college. So it, it was um, it was great. I loved it. I still I still love it. Um, I still direct shows on occasion, but it's not my bread and butter, which mm-hmm. means it's not stressful right. when it it's I mean, fun. yeah. So, I mean, those of you who are thinking of becoming an actor, I'll just pull back the curtain. I'm sure Cassie's done this before, but um, it's great work when you get it. Mm-hmm. But you don't always have it 
Right. So you squirrel your money away Mm -hmm. and you just, when you're finishing up a a job, you're like, great, great. Where's my next job going to come from? When am I going to do that? How am I going to do it? And it's just very stressful and everything is really superficial. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in the throes of my eating disorder and I was very, very thin, like unhealthily thin. Everybody just told me how great I looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until my family saw me, they were like, oh my goodness. Um, and I still really love performing. So I'll do voiceover work. Um, I prefer writing now and I prefer being on the director side um, than being on stage because I feel it's more rewarding in the creative process of like, I've made this picture for you. Right, um, right. And I'm going to tell you, and maybe I'm, I have control issues. I'm going to tell you exactly where to go and exactly how to say the things I want you to say. Right. Um, but uh, it is very, um, it's more rewarding knowing that I have the flexibility of like, I don't have to have this job. Um, I get to choose to have this job. So I'll, um, I, I've done voiceovers for commercials, I, which I never hear because they're on the radio and I don't listen to the radio. Oh, okay. I listen to my own canned music or podcasts. Uh-huh. So um uh, although I did recently hear myself in the movie theater for the nice. Washington State quit line to have people quit smoking, but I didn't uh, recognize my own voice because I speak in a much lower timbre because I have a high-pitched voice. So when I'm talking uh, for recording, they usually have me speak lower. Speak lower, But yeah. my, um, I am employable because I can speak really fast and really clearly. Yes, and you can. they like that. So I can go in for a 30-second spot. And have it done in under 30 seconds, which allows them to add music and stretch some right, things out. Right. So, yeah. And then I'll, um, if people are writing new shows, I'll get like, hey, can you write this script? I had a, I had a script that was going to, a musical actually, that I helped rewrite that was going to go up in 2020. Um, oh, no. But COVID happened. And it was yeah. a, it was a show that was relevant at the time, not so much now. It was, um, so it was, uh, Basically, these um, it was a, a social political play musical, but it was lighter. Um, mm-hmm. It was called Viva Max, where essentially this um, Mexican general was like, "I'm going to retake the Alamo," and so he marches into Texas in the height of the civil rights movement. And when oh, it wow. first came to me, and how I got the job is, I added in a joke to a play I was in, and it was the best joke in the show. And so they're like, "Can you?" They asked the artistic director, "Can you introduce us to that lady?" And then oh, they wow. introduce, and so a one-liner yeah. in a throwaway show made me a significant amount, bought me a car. So wow, um, phenomenal. Yeah. So first they asked me for just five jokes. Hey, there's this one character we want you to look at. Here are these five jokes. Can you punch them up? And so I only looked for that character, punched up the jokes. Okay, I got the rhythm. One, two, three. It's fine. Then they asked for more jokes for this char- for another character, and then I really read the play and i was like oh this is racist <laughs> as Ooh. as a mexican-american woman i can't put my rubber stamp on this so i reached out to the writers i went hey i know you wanted me to punch up the rest of the script and as a mexican-american i just can't um yeah in good conscience because this glosses over a lot of things like they had this one part where the mexicans march into texas into Texas. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, we're so glad you're here. Would you like some food? I'm like, that never no, happened. That would, not that would happen. never happen. No. I go, this is this is not a not, not. and yeah. um the writers were very open to it. And they're like, well, this is probably why we've lacked funding because we've sent it out to people and they're like, would you rewrite the whole thing? I was like, absolutely. Wow. So they added new songs. They had 
no strong female characters. And so I added in two new characters. And it was actually going to be my dad's first trip to New York. And he was going to see my show, which I was getting, I was double dipping because two of the actresses who were playing the female parts got other shows. So they're like, oh, we can't be there for your one day performance. I already knew the music and everything. So they said, you're an actor. Can you just sing that? And can you just do those parts too? Whoa. Um, and we'll get you we'll get you the equity rate. And I was like, eh, uh, yes. yes, I can. <laughs> yes. um, and then COVID happened oh. and they canceled it. And because it was a really relevant show at the time, because this is when they were detaining everybody and whatnot, yeah. that this was in, um, we... Uh, it died but i still got paid so i i mean i didn't get the later money that would have happened because it would have been it was going to go off broadway but that's okay and eventually it might might if we reworked it but i i'm still in touch with those writers and they want to do some other stuff but they're recovering from covid too because you know artists you know so they're not doing anything creatively for themselves right now they're doing other creative things for other people so they can afford their house still so um so it might still but that that is also a other thing that i do wow outside of principling (laughs) (laughs) you are so vast in your in your stuff that you do uh, do you have any passion projects that you've done over the years? Um, you're like, mm, this is oh, passion of mine. Yeah. The, Let's do this. Um, I got, I was very, I was blessed um, to, my favorite writer of all time is Martin McDonough. Um, he, if you don't know plays, he did um, three billboards over Ebbing. Oh, yeah. Missouri. He wrote three and directed that. Yeah, yeah three that bo- was, billboards. That was Sam great. Rockwell, Francis McDormand. Yeah. Freaking great. That was amazing. Um, he, he does a bunch of, amazing just these really dark plays and what i like best about him is you take any one of his characters and put them in any other movie or play and they'd be the villain oh but he puts all of these really deeply flawed characters together and even the heroes are like "Mm, um so it's a part of humanity that he highlights a lot and he's dating or living with or partnered with phoebe waller bridge so I don't know. Who that oh, is. Fleabag. She's a, also a writer. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And she does Killing Eve now. She's moved on and did Killing Super. Eve. Super. Yeah, yeah. Great TV shows. Um, <laughs> and that's my next podcast. I'm just going to talk about Martin McDonough. Um, <laughs> but he is my favorite play of his is called The Pillow Man. And it's very, very dark. And I'm not going to go into the, the very darkness of that show. But um, uh, a small theater up here, which I'm going to name drop, Second Story Repertory. If you Fantastic. ever want to see some phenomenal shows, Second Story Repertory. Their um, artistic Story. director, Mark Chenevik, uh, and uh, their managing director, Jen Chenevik, um, Wait, are they married? They are now. Oh, <laughs> when uh, when I first met them, they weren't married, but they they, yeah. they they are soulmates, and they got yeah. married and have a baby. They're adorable. Sh- I've said all the other kids. Oh, Keezy! Shout out to Keezy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they gifted me that show, and they oh, wow. I was a new director. They didn't know me. I had directed in other you know states, but mm-hmm. not here. And mm-hmm. usually, people need to know you before they give you that. And I had acted in a couple of shows for them but small parts nothing where I carried a show mm-hmm. um, and they were like yeah do you want to do it and I was like yes I do yeah. um, so I gifted and that I I, I don't want to speak I don't want to toot my own horn too loud but I think it is the it's it was perfect 
That's it great. was usually as as an artist, you get like I would say on a good day, you get eighty percent of what you really wanted. Yeah, yeah. There's um, always a couple that are like, oh, I wish I yeah, had like, had I wish I would have done that, or I oh, made I that wish, choice. I should have paused a second longer, you know. Yeah. Um, or even seeing a show I've directed, I should have brought them over here. The lights yeah, better, you know, right. like that twenty twenty hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was I I got ninety seven percent of what I wanted. Nice. That 3% is there's a really powerful line that the actor could never say correctly. Oh. And I was just like, and I gave him line readings. He just didn't do it. So it's like, I, eh. I mean, but it was 90. You can lead a horse to water. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. So that, yeah. Um, and then after that, I said, well, if you give me this show, you'll give me Assassins. And <laughs> um, I got to direct Assassins um, only seven years after that, and me saying wow. Assassins. Remember Assassins? Remember going to Assassins? Assassins? Um, <laughs> and that's my favorite musical. And that was. Very rewarding cool. to like get a piece of you out there. So yeah, I remember we worked together at Second. We Story. did Second Story did Rocky Horror Picture Show, and our uh, friend Robert Bogue directed it. And I he asked me to be in it, and I I knew I was much older at the time, so I knew and I had tattoos, so there's no way I could be Janet, even though I usually play an ingenue. Yeah, and I said, well so Columbia and he was like um no I have someone in mind for Columbia but uh do you want to choreograph it I was like I'm not a choreographer but sure sure you know Um, so my history with Rocky Horror is that ever since I got out of high school and I I went to my first Rocky Horror in North Carolina um in I think it was Asheville Maybe it was in Charlotte, I don't know, with my college friend Forrest. And uh, that night I was brought up to be Janet, even though I had never seen the movie. It was wild and weird, and I just kind of followed what people were yelling at me, and and then I fell in love. Yeah. And I moved to Los Angeles. I joined Sins of the Flesh, which is um, amazing as well. And uh, they're the Hollywood Rocky Horror Picture Show. So it's a shadow cast, Sins of the Flesh, Mm. and they, anytime you've seen Rocky Horror on a television show, like um, CSI, or... Oh, yeah. Or just anytime they do a flashback. Drew Carey. Yeah. They utilize Sins of the Flesh and Midnight Insanity from Long Beach. Um, And we've been on podcasts. We've been on, uh, brought out for... All sorts of stuff. Um, And we get, I say we like I'm still part of it. I mean, it still lives in my soul. But um, we were part of the 25th anniversary in Vegas. And we're like one of the most renowned shadowcasts out there. Yeah. So that was a great part of my early 20s. And a a huge part of just my Los Angeles life. And I so I have this real strong passion for Rocky Horror. So anytime I get to see it just at a general show uh community theater i'm the only one yelling out the callbacks um so when we did rocky horror picture yeah we we do rocky horror Horror show Show. not the picture show because that's the movie we did rocky horror show i was the choreographer but i told robert i was like listen (laughs) book we have to have one rehearsal where i literally yell out as many lines as possible it's not for me it's, it's for, for them, them yeah. because inevitably there will be a me in the audience yeah. who will be that person who's going to yell out some lines. And I want to encourage the playback. 
And I don't want to discourage the actors. And I don't want them to get freaked out. Yeah. I want or them, laugh. Or laugh. <laughs> you know, they, they cannot laugh at the joke. They have to be their character and they can respond to it. They can break the fourth wall, but they need to hear it. Yeah. And so I I was loaded and ready to go. It was so fun. Yeah, I, I did shadow casting in Salt Lake. Oh, great. Because they would do it at the Tower Theater all the time. And I was like, well, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was always Columbia. Um, or I was always Columbia or um, Riff. Oh. Yeah. Because I was, we would sing with it. And I was the only one who could sing that high. Uh, who yeah, could belt that yeah. high. Uh-huh. Um, and then when I did Rocky Here, I was like, oh, that was actually my first show at Second Story. And that's how oh, I really? met Mark and Jen Segway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were not married yet. But I thought they were. Right. Um, and so they needed me to be the poster girl. They're they like, were hey. adorable and they definitely acted like Yeah, they were like, her. hey, can you, uh, like I got a call from Mark saying, hey, would you mind coming in because we'd like you to be the poster girl. And I go, okay, do you want me to bring clothes? And he's like, yeah, can you bring like, do you have like a, a small skirt? We want it to be like kind of like someone sending a sext, right? Or like oh, a, yeah. um, so you're not going to be naked, but it's going to be implied. I'm like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And then bring a tank top and like, fishnets and whatnot and mark the most the most polite and genuine human being (laughs) never wants to make people uncomfortable and having been a professional actor where like people would see you naked and judge you all the time for how you looked i was like this is nothing right um and he he was they were like spraying me down and having me pose and he would always go to jen and like whisper like and then she go hey can you do this instead (laughs) I go, yeah, yeah. And so he just didn't want me to be uncomfortable. So uh-huh. he was like, okay, and going more, through more, her. more water yeah. there. And and then so he tried to describe something like, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you just do it? And he goes, no, but Jen can. <laughs> um, and that was my first like meeting with them. Um, and I, I, I was like, oh, they're just the cute little couple. Look at them being so cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, sweet. Yeah, that was my first. And then Bogue redid it, like remounted it. Oh, cool. I want to say like a decade later. And he was like, so Columbia's like, no, man, I'm too old. Uh, and all I really wanted to do was the um, Matchbox Girl at the front. I wanted to open the show uh, and yeah. close the show. Right. I'll sing science fiction. That's it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, you have to be something else. So he gave me the magenta track because I was like, nice. I don't, I no, I'm too old to be like, ooh, ooh. I yeah. don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Well, Magenta is typically the usherette. She usually is, but I really wanted to talk my way into... Into just being usherette. Just being the usherette and then going into the audience and doing all the callbacks. Because I also said that, and so I knew a lot of them. I didn't know as much as you. Mm -hmm. So then I had to download some things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found some better ones. and But then we never had an audience that said anything. It was quiet. Oh, yeah. that's so sad. So then we, like, Breaks I think. my little heart. So then second weekend, I just yelled them from the wings. Super Im- unprofessional. But I was like, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say them when I was on stage, though, because that would have been too that much. That would have been too much. Too yeah. much, yes. Yeah. But yes, Rocky Horror has a very special place in my heart. And yeah. I wouldn't mind directing it someday if someone was like, hey. Yeah, right? Yeah. I think that'd be really fun. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. 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 I would love to do it again, too. Um, I think again, the, since it's so there's so many few female roles. Yeah, the only role that I could play now would be magenta. Yeah, unfortunately, unless we did a gender bend. I remember you did a gender bend of and my like you did what I really wanted to do, and I I was so mad that I had moved away and I wasn't able to 
freaking be in it at um rent no rent and civic no B- blt uh-huh um, burian little Somewhere. theater you did jesus christ Superstar yes we did as a gender swap yes we, it was all women uh all women we were gonna do mary magdalene as a man but um he has very specific so for those of you who aren't actory people when you're doing a show you have to get the rights for it yeah and there are very specific rights that you have to adhere to. A long time, oh. like Les Mis for the longest time would not let you cast an actor under 50 to play Jean Valjean. Oh, wow. And it was in there. Like, no, you cannot do it. Now they wow. do it for high schools and so it's like yeah, open. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Jesus Christ Superstar, you cannot gender, you can gender bend anybody else but not Mary Magdalene. Mary has to be a woman. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and that's very specific. And Sondheim. I mean, good job. Because that's always yeah. casting a female. The only know? show I can think now that I would come off the bench for, as I say, like, yeah. I, I yeah. really want to be Bobby and company. I'm at that age. Okay. And Stephen Sondheim just said, hey, women can be Bobby. And I'm wow. like, that was me in my 30s. So if I just wanted to play myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> in my late 20s, early 30s. Also, if anyone in the if anybody Northwest area. wants to do company with a female Bobby, I'm in. All right. All right. Yeah, putting those that out into the that's out in the you. ether. Yes, yeah. fantastic. Uh, all right, so we've got we've got some more questions. Okay, for you. I got more answers. It sounds like you've had a lot of side hustles. Yes. to help you um, because college is a lot is expensive. It's very expensive yeah. to get you thing. Um, and we've talked about some some voiceover side yeah. hustles. Um, do you have any other side hustle that you'd like to mention? Um, I mean, Anything I notable or or very odd that. Um, you know, like, I like outside of voiceover and stuff like that. I um, also work occasionally in the Renaissance Fair venue and work uh, yeah. with a group called Dangerous Curse, a show mm-hmm. that I helped write. And I actually used to work with a place called uh, No Parchment Needed yeah. that you're aware of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I don't want to say used to. I, I still that, do. Yeah. That that maybe there will be some time in the future that we can I get you. So back out there yeah i did Just your um, schedule is tough yeah i mean and i did improv like that was my thing like I, I i i did improv for the actually weirdly the 2002 olympics i was part of the odd olympians Whoa, yeah cool. they wanted somebody to entertain the atmosphere while people were waiting in lines um so i i've been doing improv forever so that's actually like if you want to if somebody wants to write a show where you just give me the beats of where i need to be and i don't yeah. have to memorize anything perfect yeah. And just say, okay, everybody else has a script, and here are your beats. Here's where you need to be. Yeah. I can get there. Just yeah. let me go. Mark calls it letting me off my leash. So just <laughs> let me off my leash and do that. That's <laughs> um, great. Uh, I, I mean, other than the writing, um, I mean, I, I would love to have a side hustle, like doing something artistic, like painting and whatnot, but I just do that for me now. Mm-hmm. So Cool. Because I take too much time. Yeah, and so with No Parchment Needed, um, for those of you who don't know, that's my improv group. I started it in 2009, and it's, uh, it's primarily West Coast uh, improv group that performs at Renaissance Festivals, and I'm trying to get it national, so fingers crossed for 2023 and, or 2024, you know, whatever comes up. Um, so maybe you'll get to see Alicia grace my own boards again someday. Well, I'm probably jumping ahead because I'm sure you have a question for this, but in my new edification of my, of my 
professional life, I think I'll be working from home more because that's kind of oh. where I want to be. So then I'd have more flexibility to do artistic things as well. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Should I go into that or should I wait no, for your I question? Mean, no, go ahead. Go well, for it. right now I'm working on my doctorate um, uh, in educational leadership and I'm writing my thesis on um, really a curriculum and how to develop an equity-based anti-white supremacist anti-racist um, curriculum that's goes k-12 that's going to start with social studies then i'll go into language arts because those are always intrinsically um connected uh-huh. uh and uh doing some research into that so i've been applying for jobs um one uh at the university of washington where you'd I'd be like an equity auditor so i'd look at protocols that they have and i'd have more access to um their archives essentially so i could write more Um, so essentially that's where i'd like to be or i'd like to be at a um district level looking at their curriculum and they usually call it teaching and learning or curriculum director um where you look at what kids are learning and how you're having teachers teach them and how you're expecting kids to learn so um that's usually more of a thing where you work in a reading and adding things together and working from home so i have more flexibility with that yeah that's really cool yeah so this is this is the five to ten year yes uh, in the future yeah thing um after that do you have any because you're still young you're i'm still, still young. young i mean it, it what i'd like so after in my dream world <laughs> what i'd like to do is i like to take time to write and develop this curriculum. Then I'd like to pitch it to school districts and then basically say, hey, give me this job as this very specific person. And what I do is I will set up shop in your district for a year and I will take that time to teach teachers the best strategy. So right now when you roll out a curriculum in a school, you guys don't know this, they give you the textbook. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. They give you a textbook and then they say, every district will go, okay, we'll have some professional learning days where you can come and do this and then you can do this or let's show you this one particular thing but it's it's not all encompassing and what i know specifically from working on my dissertation is that teachers need more support in best practices because yes they're experts but are they experts at this particular thing right we don't know we don't know um so giving them more support in that. So I'd be out of school and we'd implement the curriculum and then I'd meet with the teachers and like, okay, let's talk. And I'd co-teach with them for a quarter until they're established. Then I'd go to the next school and do that. And then I just wow. spend three to five years in each school district until this curriculum is going. And it, and it incorporates not just what they're teaching and how they're teaching it, but then also discipline strategies. So really putting restorative practices within um, the classroom. Because right now- wow. Restorative practices is kind of a higher order thinking thing, but it's a lot of stuff. Like it's not just where kids sit around in a circle and they build relationships, but it's also like somebody hurts somebody's feelings in here. How do we address that and still feel like a community? Um, How do you separate the behavior from the student? And that's a paradigm shift because even the best teacher on their catch them at their worst day. They're yeah. going to have a slip of like, I can't stand that kid. Right. Because right. it's exhausting and it happens. Uh-huh. Um, and it doesn't make them bad teachers. It makes them human because sometimes it's just too much. And I get it. I mean, yeah. I've, I've done it. I desperately love every child that I've had. But there have been days where I'm like, I can't believe that kid came to school again. You know? <laughs> right. And, yeah. it's, and then you just need some space for it. You're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And I was just in a horrible space because I was right. exhausted. and. Right everything was happening and then you have your own outside life too that right, affects exactly. you because 
Yeah. We don't just exist in a school, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so even the best teacher wow, will have a day amazing. where they're like, ah, this child. And mm-hmm. having a restorative practice built into their curriculum actually helps so they don't have that much stress anymore because they've already right. dealt with a lot of these things. Wow. Yeah. So that's Sounds in, pretty freaking cool. That's where I'd like to go. Um, nice. I just have to convince schools to give me money to do it. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right? Give me some money and resources, <laughs> school districts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you do choose the same path if you were presented with um, a a magic wand, fairy godmother pops down and says, we are going to send you right back to this time. You get to choose the time before full adulthood where you will then get to choose your own path and do everything over again. Do you think you'd do all the, the I think, go to medical school? and um, No, I think I would end up in the same place. I think uh, I would be in education. I think I would. I don't think I would... Like twenty twenty hindsight, right? You look yeah, back. Yeah. Um, I think I would have been healthy. I would have looked at my theater, professional theaters, with in a healthier limelight. Like I would have handled that better. Uh-huh. Um, I still think I would end up in education. Uh-huh. I think I would have done it faster. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I would have gone into administration earlier and got okay. my doctorate fat or like earlier yeah um because i i mean i taught for almost a decade uh, middle school and i didn't really have that move because i was an instructional coach so i would work with teachers so i was doing very similar to like evaluations but not evaluating them right, right, right. um but the thing that pushed me into admin is i i was working at the school that was great and was doing some really great things but we got a new principal Mm-hmm. And he shook things up Ooh. just to shake things up. And he kind of broke the momentum of, of the equitable practices that we were doing mm-hmm. um, and changed. We were we were doing some um, intensive, like, uh, reteaching of things. So not really remediation, but just like, we know kids need more of this and we are failing as teachers. Not the kids can't do it. We're failing. So really working at reimagining how what our definition of a student is and we're doing some great things that are based in like data mm-hmm. and he came in and shook it all up and changed oh, it and it felt like he was making change just for change sake right. um and that's what really moved me into admin where I was like i saw my sphere of influence and i was like well as a teacher at most i reach 180 kids a year yeah as a principal or an associate principal or a vice principal whichever you want to call it i can affect thousands of kids a year and then continue creating a system that serves because we have a lot of systems in schools they're not necessarily systems that serve and you see it all the time where schools are you you see it in the news this school did this amazing thing for these children and then that administrator takes that amazing thing that they did and uses that cachet to get into a higher paying job which generally isn't in the education field and then that falls apart because they don't create a system that serves they create a system that they have to run constantly gotcha and once they're gone the head of the snake is gone it dies and then everything reverts back right i don't want that to happen so i've been in generally when you're in at there's politics about the whole thing but when Mm -hmm. you've been an administrator i've been an associate principal for six years five at this school i was at a high school previously and 
it's just time that you it's like it's either you stay as an AP forever like this, mm-hmm. the optics of how it looks, yeah. um, or you move on either to a district level job or to a principal position. I think the next step for me is going to um, be at a building, have my own building. I don't know if it's going to be middle school or elementary. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to do high school. High school is a little too focused on um, grad rates. And I think yeah. sometimes you make, having been an, an administrator at a high school, I think we make decisions for the optics and not necessarily what's good for the children because if you noticed we have a lot of freshmen who are attending college but then not finishing college yeah yeah and high school so focused on credits and numbers and we got to keep that graduation rate high that i really think elementary and middle school is more where i'll be the most effective um but i've i've told my team like this is probably my last year let's be aware um yeah and very lovingly, a lot of them said they'd follow me wherever I go, which is nice Aww. to know. Um, but I have handed off, like, this is how this works. You need to do this. Like, I've trained my team in this is how the restorative pride. I wrote a script for them. This is how it works. This is how cool. you move forward. Because um, I don't want to, because it's it's working well. And in my district, we are probably the most equity-based building that's yeah. made the most growth. And mm-hmm. I don't want that to die. So just creating a system that serves. But I think I would still end up where I am. I just think I would be getting a doctorate fast sooner. Yeah. I think I would have got it maybe three or four years sooner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any advice for anyone who wants to become an associate principal? Yes. Um, (laughs) This is the the last question, by the way. The movies and television lie to you. (laughs) Wait, what? So nothing drives me crazier than watching like Abbott Elementary. I love that show. It's adorable. It's cute. However, they get things fundamentally wrong about how schools work. They have one character who's the principal who's horrible. They would have been fired. Doesn't matter if you're blackwelling the superintendent, you'd still get fired because there are checks and balances you have to follow. She never evaluates anybody. And this idea of Okay, I'm a teacher. I can just apply to be an AP. Like, New Girl, I love that show too, but she just applied to be an assistant principal. No, you have to go to school. So um, if you want to be an associate principal, teach first, be in the classroom because a um, you can be a principal without actually ever teaching. You can go get a master's in educational leadership Mm -hmm. and get get your principal certification. You have to have a certification and then get a job. It will be hard for you to get a job. Yeah. But- once you get a job, you could be it. But a large portion of your job as an administrator is evaluating people teaching. And if you don't know how to do that, you haven't gone to school and you actually haven't been doing it, oh, it's yeah. going to be really hard for you to do that job. Because how can you objectively say, this is good teaching when you n- have never done it? You right. know? Um, yeah. So it is, you do have to go to school. <laughs> um, you do get paid more, but that sad news is you don't get summers off. So oh. you get vacation time that you can take. But I work pretty much throughout the year. The big difference is during the summer. I mean, I worked today before you came over. Yeah. Um, the big difference is there are times that I can work from home. So during okay. the summer, I can work from home. Um, and when you do the math, you're not making that much more money. But but it's um, if you really like coaching people and you like seeing the fruits of your labor without getting applause, um, 
I'll just say I've been an administrator for six years and I've never gotten a card or a candy on administrative um, administrative administrator appreciation week. There's a yeah. teacher appreciation week, and when I was a teacher, I got all the things. All the things. Um, yeah. Admin don't usually get that. I do get presents from very special children, but that's because there are some children that I have to spend more time with, <laughs> right, um, and right. they know me and I know the family really well. But if you need that constant love mm-hmm. from the children, you're not going to get that as an administrator. Yeah. Um, you're also not going to be that person that the kid reflects upon and goes, "You know who really helped me." Miss Mendez, my associate principal. They'll right. remember teachers. They won't remember. Te- they won't remember building leaders. Right. Um, I mean, I, if you de- think back to your principals, who were they? Yeah, I'm I only to... remember my elementary one, and that's because he had a weird name. His I... name was Gailey Colosimo, and that's the only reason I remember him. Okay. Other than that, I can't remember anything else about him. I only remember my high school vice principal. I don't remember his name but i remember him because of the one time i got iss which is in school suspension it was because this is a this is my shame story and i'm going to say it on the on the internet, oh, on the internet. it's going to be here forever everyone, forever forever so this is my shame story if you dislike me and you've made it to this episode congratulations here's <laughs> some fodder for you that you can laugh at me schadenfreude with so i was in high school and my mom had got me days of the week underwear because moms do that. that moms do that. Yeah. I had days of the week underwear from my grandma. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And I don't remember what day it was. I don't think I was wearing the right day on whatever it was. Who cares? Right. Who cares? It's underwear. underwear. Yeah. Who cares? And a girl in high school in my gym class pantsed me. <gasps> In front of everybody. That's sexual harassment. It's sexual harassment. It was terrible. And she has since apologized, but not in that moment. She pantsed me, and I got upset, and I ran into the girls' locker room. I did not know that in the girls' locker room, there would be a, one of the, what is the thing that people come in and they have a, a thing that they do? Dang. I a can't. presenter? Yeah, it was like a presenter. A guest person, speaker? Guest something. That they were going to be doing something that afternoon. At my school in the in gym. the locker room, yeah, they were getting ready in the oh. locker room. That was like their their getting ready time. There was their green room. Oh, I don't know why they used the girls' locker room, yeah. but that's what they were doing. And I ran and I kicked the door in because I was so mad and I just wanted to have some alone time. And then all these people were there getting ready, and I was like, because they're adults. What are you adults yeah, are doing you in, in my, my gym? locker room? Yeah. Right. So then. I got even more upset and embarrassed because I kicked the door in and I ran out and, and I had to cross the vice principal's uh, glass wall to run into the girl's bathroom past all the orange lockers, which is uh, that's a whole nother story. But and I hid underneath the sink. That's not a great place to hide. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I was real upset, but because I um, skip class. No, I didn't skip it. I ran out, and uh, they found me right away. Yeah, I, I was not good. I was not <laughs> a bad. I was not good at being bad yeah. kid. So, um, because I had scared the people doing the presentation, and um, I was given in school suspension. The girl who pantsed me was not given in school suspension. So I am an expert in this. Yeah, your principal was awful. Yeah, that was he's as a vice principal. Awful. Yeah. 
he is awful. Yeah. Yep. Whoever you are, you're bad at your job. Yeah. I, he probably doesn't live anymore. I'm that old. So, oh, okay. I mean, maybe. He might Who be. Knows? He might be alive. He's probably definitely But he not was bad at him. his job. He was. You're going to publicly um, shame him. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember his name now. I'm sure I could probably find it out yeah, I, I looking at one of my yearbooks. Yeah, but you remember your principles because they disciplined you in some way, shape, or form. Right. I don't remember you, any good thing about yeah, them. Yeah, you won't get love. Um, yeah. You won't. Yeah. Uh, but you just need to, if that's something that you need, then stay as a teacher. But um, if you want a bigger sphere of influence and you want to make more of an impact as a whole, and if you want to raise younger teachers into better, or even older teachers into better teachers, yeah. um, and you like that collaborative, then definitely go into administration. Cool. If, if you don't want to be told to F off every day, don't go into admin. So, <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> Or yeah. someone call you a blue-haired bitch because you took their phone away. Oh, um, yeah. 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 There is that. And then you have to have, be comfortable to have that conversation like, hey, hey, man, before I give you your phone back, let's have this conversation about right. what did I do that invoked that reaction from yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I've pulled a lot of strings for you and your family and you shouldn't even be going to the school right now. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, we won't get into that. Yes. No but I mean, violations here. don't listen to TV because they don't tell you how it actually works in a school. Noted. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alicia, for being here. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this immensely. Thank you. Uh, Now we're going to do the outro. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Cassie Townsend. Theme song is wrapped by Greg Lestraps. Chris Kempton is our associate producer. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workhistory. Show notes have additional information on Alicia and everything that she's done and everything I've done. Remember to rate, review, share, and subscribe. So what's your work history?